I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to Exodus chapter 9. I'll begin reading at verse 13 to verse 35. It's the end of the chapter. If you're using a pew Bible, that can be found on page 60. Exodus chapter 9, beginning at verse 13, we come to the seventh plague, the plague of hail. Let us now hear God's word. Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and present yourself before Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For this time I will send all my plagues on you yourself, and on your servants and your people, so that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. For by now I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, and you would have been cut off from the earth. But for this purpose I have raised you up, to show you my power, so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. You are still exalting yourself against my people, and will not let them go. Behold, about this time tomorrow, I will cause very heavy hail to fall, such as never has been in Egypt from the day it was founded until now. Now therefore send... Get your livestock and all that you have in the field into safe shelter. For every man and beast that is in the field and is not brought home will die when the hail falls on them. Then whoever feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh hurried his slaves and his livestock into the houses. But whoever did not pay attention to the word of the Lord left his slaves and his livestock in the field. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, so that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt, on man and beast and every plant of the field in the land of Egypt. Then Moses stretched out his staff toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail and fire ran down, from, ran down to the earth, and the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. There was hail and fire flashing continually in the midst of the hail. Very heavy hail, such as had never been in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. The hail struck down everything that was in the field in all the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And the hail struck down every plant of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the people of Israel were, was there no hail. Then Pharaoh sent and called Moses and Aaron and said to them, This time I have sinned. The Lord is in the right, and I and my people are in the wrong. Plead with the Lord, for there has been enough of God's thunder and hail. I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. Moses said to him, As soon as I have gone out of the city, I will stretch out my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease, and there will be no more hail, so that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. But as for you and your servants... I know that you do not yet fear the Lord God. The flax and the barley were struck down, for the barley was in the air and the flax was in bud. But the wheat and the emmer were not struck down, for they are late in coming up. So Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh and stretched out his hands to the Lord. And the thunder and the hail ceased, 
and the rain no longer poured upon the earth. But when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet again and hardened his heart, he and his servants. So the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people of Israel go, just as the Lord had spoken through Moses. As far the reading of God's word made his blessing upon the preaching and teaching of it. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, this plague is of epic proportions. The Lord strikes Egypt with great balls of hail and thunderbolts of lightning and heavy rain. It was a grand miracle of epic proportions. We hear in our text that the Lord God commands Pharaoh to let his people go, that they may serve him, that, that is, worship him at God's appointed location, not Pharaoh's, but where God desires them to worship. And he says at verse 14, look with me in your Bible, for this time I will send all my plagues on you yourself and on all your servants and, all, and your people so that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. God begins this plague describing the purpose of the plague. And we've seen throughout the course of this series of plagues that one of the primary purposes was to attack the gods and goddesses of the Egyptians. But he goes even further here in this plague, the seventh plague of hail. Like plagues 1 and 4, plague 7 begins with the Lord commanding Moses to get up early and go meet Pharaoh. Present yourself to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. And like every plague, the purpose of the plagues was to attack the gods and goddesses of Egypt. And there were plenty of gods and goddesses to attack in this plague, just like the past few plagues. There were two notable gods and goddesses that were attacked in this plague. The first goddess was Nut. Remember that goddess a few weeks ago? Actually, I learned that the, uh, the proper pronunciation is Nut, not Nut, but it's spelled Nut. I like that pronunciation better because it's kind of nuts to think that. I don't know. But this goddess was the goddess of sky and heaven. And she was admired by women. And she was usually depicted of her bending over the earth with her feet on one end of the earth and her arms on the other end of the earth. And she protected the people from the elements. And she was often depicted as a celestial cow. She was often associated with coffins and sarcophagies because she protected the dead until they were reborn in the afterlife. Nut, or Newt, was the goddess of sky and heavens. But there was another god whose name was Seth. And Seth is the god of storms and chaos. And God is demonstrating that he is Lord in all the earth. He has power over the elements of nature. What would God say today to men 
everything that we see in our climate is at the sovereign hand of Almighty God. He moves in such a way, his power is almighty, unlimited, and grand. Everything is in his hands. And Pharaoh thinks that he can exalt himself. Exalt himself above his own, God's own people. That he can exalt himself above God himself. Friends, God alone is exalted among the peoples and nations. God alone is jealous for his own glory and he will not give his glory to another. He will not give his glory to another. He will humble Pharaoh with a severe storm that will destroy man and beast in the field. He will bring a storm that will destroy every crop in its season. He will demonstrate that there is none like him in all the earth. And we read that for this time, I will send all my plagues on you yourself and on your servants and your people. Now the word all there, I believe, should be taken as a hyperbole or an exaggeration. I like the NIV translation. If you have the NIV, it says, I have sent my full force of plagues upon you. That is a very good translation. Obviously, he's not sending all the plagues in this one plague, but he's talking about of all the plagues, this plague is comparable of all the plagues together because it's going to bring great harm. It's going to bring great judgments. It's going to bring death upon Egypt and the Egyptians. He will bring the full force of his judgment upon Egypt, Pharaoh, and the land. And this plague, this plague will demonstrate that there is none like the Lord. There is none like the Lord in all the earth. God, he, sa he says, that he could have wiped out Pharaoh and Egypt from the face of the earth. He could have spoken a word. He could have used one plague to destroy Pharaoh and Egypt, but he didn't. Again, he goes on to talk about the purpose of his plague, and that is to show his unlimited power and to proclaim his name in all the earth. So not only is the purpose of the plague to attack the gods and goddesses, but it's also to de demonstrate his unlimited power in creation, in nature, and to also proclaim his name in all the earth through the plagues. For he says at verse 14 through 17, For this time I will send all my plagues, that is, I will send the full force of all my plagues on you yourself and on your servants and your people, so that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. Your gods, they are nothing. What you worship are nothing. For by now, verse 15, for by now I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence and you would have been cut off from the Lord. But for this purpose I have raised you up to show my power that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. You are still exalting yourself against my people and will not let my people go. 
God raised Pharaoh in Egypt up that he may show his unlimited power and that his name may be made great through the plagues. In all the earth, when all is said and done, they will say, there is none like the Lord. There is none like the Lord. And his fame will extend to all the nations and peoples. What happens in biblical history in the Old Testament? Do you remember Rahab? Joshua chapter 2? Why did her heart melt and the people melt in her city that she lived in? They heard what God did to Pharaoh and the Egyptians. God's fame spread to the land of Canaan, to the land of promise, where Rahab and the other folks of that city heard what God did to the Egyptians, and they feared the Lord. Their hearts melted. In fact, Rahab was one of the few only that feared the Lord in terms of not only fearing the fact that God brings judgment, but trusting in the Lord. She's one of those in the chapter of faith in Hebrews 11. By faith, Rahab hid the spies. And why does she hide the spies? Because she feared the Lord. She remembered, she heard what happened in Egypt. In fact, Rahab says in chapter 2, verse 11, and as soon as we heard it, that as soon as we the people heard what God did, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. You see Rahab's confession? She heard what happened long ago. And that was the purpose of God's plague, that his fame may be known throughout the world. And his name is proclaimed even today. Friends, congregation, listen. The Old Testament are not just good stories for us to listen to and learn. They are reminders to each and every human being. What happened in the days of Noah is a reminder, should be a sober reminder of how God judges sin. What happened in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah should be a reminder today of how God judges sin. What happened to Babylon? What happened to Assyria? What happened to Israel? Should be a reminder of how God judges sin. And that His name is proclaimed through these plagues, through judgment, showing His great and unlimited power and God's judgment speaks to all nations even today. And I mentioned this last week too. And when it comes to gospel presentation, we speak of the love of Christ, and lo rightly so. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not, what? Perish! But have everlasting life. He came to save us of our sins and from hell itself. We're saved from judgment. That his name may be proclaimed through his people now. 
We proclaim Christ's name and His great power. The purposes of the plague start off this plague of hail narrative. And then we see the destruction of Egypt. At verse 18, Behold, about this time tomorrow I will cause very heavy hail to fall, such as never has been in Egypt from the day it was founded until now. The weather forecast isn't promising at all. (laughs) And here God is the weather forecaster. He's forecasting something great that is going to happen. Forget about your umbrella. That's not going to help you. In fact, it will be the worst storm in Egypt's history until that time. Every person outside or in the field will be struck by large balls of hail, killing everything and anyone in its path. Large balls of ice. I want you to think about that for a second. You ever go to a zoo, like during the wintertime, they have those winter wonderlands, and they have the lights. You can see the Christmas lights, and all the animal displays are pretty. They have the lights there, too. And, but oftentimes, they have ice sculptures around the zoo. And this is often in city town squares where they'll have ice cutting, ice sculpture contests or whatever. They're large pieces of ice. Now, I heard back in the old days they had big blocks of ice. Some of you may remember that. I don't know. We had to get two metal objects, sharp objects, and hit it on the side to lift it and move it. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about little pieces of hail. We're talking about large, heavy hail. We're talking about skull-crushing, body-crushing pieces of hail. It's destroying and splitting trees. It destroys the harvest at that time of the year. Thousands upon thousands of ice missiles hitting the earth. You will know that there is none like me in all the earth, says the Lord. And this isn't the only time that God used hail against his enemies. Joshua chapter 10 and Haggai chapter 2. The destruction of human life and animal life, though, listen carefully. This is... Such a unique point in this passage that is different than previous plagues. The destruction of life, of human life and animal life, is preventable. Did you see that? God, by his mercy, tells Pharaoh and the servants, Hey, this storm is coming. Get your servants and your animals, and bring them into a safe shelter so that they may not die. 
Not all the Egyptians will suffer the same lot because God gives this unusual warning to Pharaoh and the Egyptians at verse 19 to 21. And then we read at verse 20, look at me in your Bible, then whoever feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh hurried his slaves and his livestock into the houses. But whoever did not pay attention to the word of the Lord left his slaves and his livestock in the field to what? Die. God warns the Egyptians of the full force of his judgment, but he gives them a warning saying, remove them, bring them into your house, bring them into safe shelter, and they will be saved. There were some of Pharaoh's servants who had enough of Pharaoh's rebellions against the Lord. They had eyes to see the destruction in the past, and they're like, um, we're not going that route anymore. We don't trust Pharaoh. Uh, we're going to take God's word for it now, the God of the Hebrews, the God of Moses, and we're going to fear the Lord. That is, we're going to trust what his word says. But those who didn't fear the Lord suffered God's judgment. Those who feared the Lord took the word of Moses for what it really is, the word of God. Pay attention. We need to pay attention when God speaks. And how does God speak to us today in his living and active word? When Jesus says, to believe on him. When Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. When Jesus says that he will come again and bring judgment, but those who are found in him will be saved. Pay attention, for Jesus is our safe refuge. Jesus is our help. Our lives depend on the word of God and the word of Christ. Fear the Lord, that is the beginning of wisdom. As a result of the plagues, there were many Egyptians who feared the Lord and left Egypt with the Israelites. Did you know that? There were many who feared the Lord. In Exodus chapter 2, there was a mixed multitude who left with the Israelites because they feared the Lord. Also, we have in Numbers chapter 24, there was an Israelite woman who was married to an Egyptian man who left with the people of Israel out of Egypt. And so there were many who feared the Lord, a mixed multitude, and assimilated into the people of God, both Jew and Gentile. And so God gives this warning in the midst of destruction. Be saved. Find refuge for your servants and your animals. And God especially saves his people from his own wrath because he loves them and doesn't repay what our sins deserve. When he says in verse 26, only in the land of Goshen where the people of Israel were, was there no hail. No hail. The people of Egypt and the Israelites 
who feared the Lord found refuge and safe shelter when they trusted in God's word. Congregation of Christ, for you and I to find refuge from our sins, for you and I to know safety in the day of wrath, for you and I to know forgiveness and sins, for you and I to know freedom under God's gracious reign, God sent His one and only Son to bear our sin and wrath. Sin reigned heavy. The judgment of sin reigned heavy upon His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Think about that. The judgment that belongs to us because of our sin rained down heavy upon Christ. So that in Christ we have safe shelter and rest for our souls. In Jesus Christ we have a shelter that is firm and fixed and strong. In Christ, we have the Lamb of God who laid down His life and carried the burden of sin, death, and hell upon His shoulders. Have you listened to His voice? Have you paid attention, young people? Have you paid attention, senior saints? Have you paid attention, visitor, guest, friend? Have you paid attention to God's word concerning his son who laid down his life? What were the results of the plague? Verse 27, Then Pharaoh sent and called Moses and Aaron and said to them, This time I have sinned. The Lord is in the right, and I and my people are in the wrong. Plead with the Lord, for there has been enough of God's thunder and hail. I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. Moses said to him, As soon as I have gone out of the city, I will stretch out my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease, and there will be no more hail, so that you may know that the, Lord, the, the earth is the Lord's. But as for you and your servants, I know that you... Do not yet fear the Lord God. The flax and the barley were struck down, for the barley was in the ear and the flax was in the bud. But the wheat and the emmer were not struck down, for they are late in coming up. Then Moses went out and lifted up the staff of God. And the thunder and hail and rain ceased and poured no longer upon the earth. What was the result of the plague? We have Pharaoh saying that this time I have sinned. Really, this time? What about the other times? Only this time you have sinned? He petitions Moses again to plead for him before God. He doesn't personally plead before God and acknowledge his sin. No, rather he goes through Moses. And hard as his heart 
once again. Friends, his repentance was not a genuine repentance. Because here's an important point. Repentance without works is not genuine repentance. Because if he truly repented, what would happen? He would let the people go. He would ask for forgiveness from God. He would humble himself and not exalt himself above God's people. The fruit of a truly repentant person is a changed life by the power and grace of God through faith in Jesus, who bore in his body the full force of God's judgment so that we are forgiven and free and no longer slaves in Egypt, slaves to sin, bondage to sin and misery. Matthew chapter 3, John the baptizer says to the Pharisees and Sadducees who are coming to his baptism. And John says, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with what? Repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Faith without works is dead. Repentance without works is not genuine repentance. God has to humble us. He humbles us, brings us low, so that indeed we confess our sins to him and trust in the precious work of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, so that in the last day we are found in Christ, hidden in Christ, sheltered from the wrath of God to come, because there is a day of hail, great heavy hail, in the last day, in the seventh bowl of judgment. In Revelation chapter 16, we read this, And every island fled away, and no mountains were to be found, and great hailstones, about 100 pounds each, fell from heaven on people, and they cursed God for the plague of the hail, because the plague was so severe. That is for those who have not paid attention and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and and have been saved of their sin and misery. And so I implore you this day to find shelter and refuge in Jesus Christ who rescues us and brings us safely into his kingdom. I implore you by God's word to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Because in Him, our lives are hidden with Christ. In Him, we find safe passage, safe shelter into God's glorious kingdom. Amen. Let's pray. O Lord God, You are our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. And we thank you, O Lord, by the power of your spirit and word, you have worked faith in our hearts. You have called us to yourself and we have found shelter. We have found refuge in the Lord Jesus Christ, who indeed is our very present help in time of trouble. Because on that Solemn day, many, many years ago, 
He laid down his life as a sacrifice for our sins, bearing upon himself the wrath of Almighty God, the judgment of God. And it rains heavy upon him. And so we find our help in the name of the Lord. We find our shelter in the shadow of the Almighty. The Almighty God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we hide ourselves in the shadow of the cross and in His presence. And we find victory and joy and eternal life in His glorious resurrection from the dead. O Father in heaven, we pray that You would bring about conversion through the preaching of Your Holy Gospel. That through the preaching of the Word and the power of the Spirit, Your Gospel may bring forth fruit True repentance, genuine faith, so that your people from every tribe, tongue, and nation may worship you, declaring your praise, proclaiming your name throughout all the nations. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.